Hey, Alex here. So, of course, you should already know that part one of this two-part episode came out on Sunday. You are about to listen to part two, a continuation of my discussion with Caleb about the NFL draft prospects that have come through the Maction. If you want to listen to the full uninterrupted episode and just want to listen to one whole hour of us talking instead of two 30-minute segments of us talking about the Mac prospects, go ahead and head over to patreon.com and check out uh, the Patreon system that we have there. Throw me a few bucks a month. I'll let you listen to the full episode right now. And you can also get access to the show notes that we used for this episode. Uh, Really detailed and good stuff that uh, there's some stuff on there that are written down that, you know, doesn't make it on its way to the podcast. And that's kind of a running theme. So uh, it's a good way to get some more information out of this Mac football podcast show that you might not otherwise be hearing on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay, that's enough for me. I'm going to get back to the discussion. Thank you. Tackle out of Western Michigan, Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore, the uh, left tackle pretty much for the past three seasons, and he's coming from a program that, you know, has um, has sent some left tackles into the league. Uh, could Jalen Moore be next? Hope so. But I don't know. I just don't know how much NFL teams love him. Um, he doesn't have, like, the huge, huge size like some other guys uh, from the Mac do, like he's he's only six four. Um, Tommy Doyle, who's going to be on the list later on, he's six eight. Uh, Jalen Moore is lighter than him by about ten pounds. Uh, pretty pretty big hands though, decent wingspan. I don't know how much of this can translate to the NFL, and I don't think I don't think he like dominated at the line of scrimmage all the time either. I think he won a lot of pass blocks. I think he did a good job. Um, run blocking a little bit and he did see better competition than, than Doyle, the guy that I just mentioned just by playing in the West rather than the East. So I think that's going to help him out in a little bit. Yeah, I don't, he, he definitely wasn't like an elite tackle and we're definitely not talking about him as like a day two tackle, something that we talked about with those other Western Michigan uh, linemen that have made it to the NFL. So he's somewhere in that range where he's, probably good enough and experienced enough and in a system that's, you know, that's had a track record of sending guys like him to the league. I don't know if he's at the top level of those guys though. Sure. He, he's one of those. Okay. So for one, Western has had some very good offensive linemen. You know, you think Taylor Moten going to the pros and guys that are bona fide NFL caliber prospects and, I think he's going to be in a position where he's going to be on the board in like the seventh round and somebody might just like him enough that they're going to take a chance on him. I think that there's just as good a chance he's going to go undrafted, but he, I mean, he was, at, he was at the senior bowl for a reason. Anybody who, you know, makes it to, is invited to the senior bowl is well thought enough that could be a drafted prospect. He also helped himself at the senior bowl. So if anybody puts like, just really high value on what they do there in those practices, then Moore's going to be a guy who who really did help himself. Mm-hmm. We won't really we won't really know 
how much he helped himself in some coaches' eyes until we see if he climbs up the boards like a sixth-round pick or something like that, fifth-round pick maybe. I don't know where he's being projected. I think he's one of those guys who could go all over the place. He could go as high as a fifth-round versus there's not an unlikely chance he'd be undrafted. So he's he's decently big dude, like Alex pointed out, not bigger than others like Tommy Doyle. And uh, so I think I think the criticism I've seen is that he can be inconsistent at times. Like he is good enough in his pass sets and uh, he has good foot speed, good foot movement, but he also just makes mistakes that you shouldn't make because you're going to get burned. If you're mm-hmm. on the outside at any point in the NFL, you cannot like turn your body and just completely get burned on the edge. You're That's such a quick way to draw the ire of your coaching staff and just be like, bye-bye, not consistent enough. You're done. Right. So he in in spots looks really really good an nfl uh an nfl player for sure in spots and then other times you're like well eh, i don't know if we really need to take the chance on a guy who makes a lot of mistakes like this too so you know fingers crossed for him would be cool to see another western guy have success at the nfl level he's got he's had the type of coach i don't okay i don't know about all that Come listen on. okay just because you are a salty boy we already about, got we already got Dwayne Eskridge at number one like come on I we root need, for the big. I root. I root for the hogs, the Mac <clears throat> hogs at the NFL level, my friend. Who's your so, favorite hog? Name my favorite hog. Yeah, who's your favorite hog right now? <laughs> Mac Sharping, but he's <laughs> 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 but he regressed this year, so uh, hopefully he's better. Um, <laughs> it's phrasing. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? Anyway, I would wonder if. Jalen Moore, like he only saw time at left tackle at Western Michigan. Like he started there the past three years. And even as a reserve player, that's pretty much the only position he saw as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman. I wonder if his lack of experience at the other positions, uh, even on the other side of the line, I wonder how much that might matter. Like, cause he's not going to play left tackle right away at the NFL. Like we, I think we, no. you and I both agree with that hardcore. I don't, right. but I wonder if like, okay, you know, play, play left guard then or play right tackle. I, I wonder how those experiences are going to go because we've never seen that before. Sure. And I don't know where that's like, for example, like at senior bowl week, I don't know where they trained him at, but I do know that, you know, if he does make himself flexible, then he's has a high enough upside. He's going to be a backup and he could live in that backup spot and kind of fill in where needed. But he's mm-hmm. got to show he's got to show that he can be consistent, and that he's not going to you know cause disruptive plays in the backfield that aren't going to come as a result of um, his mistakes. So if he can do that, like he's got the type of intangibles I think that that lend itself to being a you know a pro. So yeah, yeah, he could yeah he could end up being a you know we, we said it with a couple of these guys. Malcolm Coons is a role player potentially. Jared Patterson potentially a role player. Hey, Jalen Moore's potential role is a uh, third down pass protection. Nothing wrong with that. I'd like to see it. <laughs> Alex Wood, it's fine. All right. So, uh, speaking of big hogs, at number eight, we have offensive tackle Tommy Doyle out of Miami. Uh, yeah. Tommy Doyle, he's, uh, he's good, man. For two time first team All Mac. Uh, we should point out Jalen Moore is a two time second team All Mac, but I don't know if people actually care about that in the draft process. Uh, Doyle, he's a guy that actually saw both sides of the line, played as a right tackle as a freshman and sophomore, starting left tackle as an upperclassman. Obviously, has done pretty well for himself there. Uh, 6'8", 320, 
doesn't bench as much as Jalen Moore, though. Uh, 24 on the bench. Jalen Moore had 27. Uh, has a better broad jump, better three cones. So a little bit more versatility to his game, a little bit more uh, side speed, I guess. Uh, Caleb, what's uh, what are your thoughts on Doyle? I mean, with Doyle, he's one of those guys that has stuck around. Miami could have gone earlier and stayed time there, developed a little bit under another pretty good offensive line system. And guys that I think, I mean, I think really he's probably one, he's the best, maybe the best off or maybe the best prospect that the Red Hawks have had since Quentin Rollins, really. Yeah. And so I think he, I, I'm not too worried about the, the bench. Maybe other people are, but he's got a pretty long wingspan and he, you know, he's huge. He's going to endear himself to some coaches just on the fact of being always six, eight and look at him, look at that guy. Yeah. And he so, finishes blocks too, man. That's what I love to see. Yeah. As a guy, as a guy that big and not necessarily as like downhill, like you wouldn't think he's just like that downhill blocker, but he does. He puts, he puts guys in the dirt. So you love that as a, uh, just looking at him on tape. So I think he's probably a right tackle in the NFL who could be, could, you know, could make his mark there. And I don't think that's a reach of any sort. He, you know, he's a decently athletic dude. He had a 33 inch vertical. It's pretty good for a six, eight yeah. guy. Um, and like, he, you know, he's not a sprinter. He's not supposed to be. He, his cone drill again, not, not great, but why does it need to be? So I think he's actually higher than some of these other guys we've mentioned too. Probably so far. And I think somebody should draft him. I think he's like the type of guy, unless you really think you can get him without drafting him. Say you're in the seventh round and you're like, I really don't anticipate anybody getting him. If you really want alignment, go get Tommy Doyle. I think he has upside as a guy who could play decently well at that, that, that right tackle spot. So I want to see that. So uh, somebody needs to go get him in the seventh round, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he'll go undrafted. Like I think he, he just seems like he's, uh, he's pretty smart. Like he doesn't, he doesn't extend his arms like earlier than he needs to or too late very often. So um, he seems technically sound. Yeah. And like, like you said, Jesus Christ, like who, who needs to jump that high when you're that big? Like that is, <laughs> that is an insane for like compared to Jalen Moore, he was at 30 and a half. Uh, Brett Cottrell, a center for Ohio. He was at 29. Um, let's see. Let's compare him to a wide receiver that we've talked about. Antonio Nunn, same vertical as Antonio Nunn. Better vertical than Isaiah <laughs> McCoy. Little bit under D. Eskridge. Uh, Jesus Christ, Antoine Davis, man, 38 inches. Yeah. How many – How many? Better vertical than Jarrett Patterson. Dude, Tommy Doyle is not, like, a thick dude. Like, he's only 315 pounds, 320 pounds. Maybe he's a little bit more sense than he's put on weight possibly, but – I think he's probably going to play at the NFL level, like 340. And not that he needs to put on a ton of weight, but he's just, you know, it's probably going to help him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And watching a guy who moves decently well, finishes blocks at 6'8", 340. Dude, somebody, you got to make use of somebody like Tommy Doyle. So I really am excited to see where he ends up. And he, you know, he's, he would be one of only, I think there've been reading an article from SI. It's like the seventh, when he would be only like the seventh or eighth Miami Red Hawk drafted since Roethlisberger. So I mentioned Quentin Rollins a second ago is maybe the most recent, like high caliber type Miami Red Hawk in the pros. So 
I think Doyle could be that next guy, the type of guy who people actually recognize. Oh yeah, he's the guy from Miami. He's been pretty good. He's worked out well for us. I think that's where Do- I think that's where Doyle's headed. Yeah. So at number nine, we have cornerback Manny Rubamba out of Miami. Manny Manny's pretty good, man. Uh, I at first he was my favorite corner uh, of the MAC heading into the draft class. At this point, it doesn't really matter. Like none of them are going to be like day two guys even. So, but uh, Manny's pretty good. Physical guy had like. 85 tackles his first uh, first year starting with the Red Hawks after he transferred from Iowa. Didn't have a lot of, like, passes defended. Didn't have too many interceptions. He didn't get – I don't think he got beat a whole lot of times. I don't think it's – I don't think, like, you know, that's the case there. Um, but he's a big physical dude. I mostly think that his best way is going to be – his best way of making an NFL team is going to be on special teams – um, being on those kick return and probably not kick return, but kickoff units, punt units, stuff like that, where he has to go downfield and make plays there. Um, that's where I see him probably making a team. Yeah. I mean, he's decently athletic enough and he's the type of guy that, you know, compares decently well with wide receivers in terms of athleticism when he's lined up against somebody. But yeah, I do think special teams probably is where he's headed. And I think he's, he's, he's decently enough with his feet sh- shuttle three cone type stuff is decent. Uh, he doesn't have blazing speed. He ran four seven four, and not particularly strong. Like, yeah, I mean, he's just got to be a guy who, frankly, just either has to be very limited snaps cornerback or special teams standout. And there's, I don't really know that there's another angle for him to land on a roster. So, I do think that he probably has some better features. Uh, better upside in some aspects than like Antonio Phillips does. But I also think Antonio Phillips had the potential to be like a more consistent type guy at cornerback than mm-hmm. Rogamba. So I, I mean, looking at both of those guys, I don't think either one of them's drafted, but I do think that both of them have their own potential for landing somewhere where they can play. And I think for Rogamba, it's more special teams. And for Phillips, it's more actually playing cornerback. Yeah, because like out of those two, like when you see off like opposing offenses put the ball in the air as much as they do, I would expect Phillips to make better plays on those passes than Ragumba. But if we're talking about you have to go chase that guy downfield and make a make a hit on him, maybe Ragumba's that guy. I don't know, but he also Ragumba only had ten reps on the bench press. Don't know what Antonio Phillips would do, so we can't really compare him there. But I was kind of surprised that. You only put yeah. that up 10 times. Um, I don't really know what the average is for yeah, her. Not, so, not so much worried with, with him in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like if you're, if that's where you're going to make your plays, like if that's how you're going to make your money in the league, I would hope like, you know, okay, let's get your strength numbers up then. Yeah. All right. So finally at number 10, we have Isaiah McCoy out of Kent State. Caleb, do you think that now I, I said yes, and I'm still going to stick with it. Do you think that Isaiah McCoy leaving a year early was the best choice for him? Because, I mean, him be, like his chances of being drafted like seventh round at best, I think, because the receiver room is just it's just going to be so deep this year, and I don't think Isaiah McCoy's film or his measurables put him into pretty much like that that, that upper crust. I think if you're looking at whether he should have gone or not. I don't know that he would have gotten a lot better on film, like in terms of showing things like maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's some blocking, maybe there's uh, things he's worked on with route running. I don't know, 
he's the type of guy who not to say that he can't run routes. He just, a lot of the time he didn't have to run crisp routes. He could use his athleticism and some teams are going to see that and say, okay, we can work with that. And other times, you know, maybe you wanted to see more, more demonstrations that he did things other than kind of like stop routes, comebacks, uh, just goes, just go routes and posts. So there, there's really nothing wrong with him. I think as a prospect, like he's not a poor prospect, but I don't think he's also shown other type of stuff that lends you to believe he's going to be a really well-functioning NFL wideout. And mm-hmm. I think there are things that he has the potential to show that we probably haven't seen. And maybe he's better at those things than like I'm giving him credit for right now. So I don't know that another year would have helped him unless you were going to tell him, hey, the entire reason you're coming back here is so you can get specifically get better at running routes mm-hmm. or – specifically get better at something that somebody analyzed you as, you know, not, 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 not stellar at. So I don't really think he needed to stay another year. He achieved a lot. And if anything, now you just, just go pro. I really don't have a problem with him going pro this year. I don't think he needed to stay at all. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard for you or I to really judge like what's the most that he can actually learn out of that, out of that coaching staff. Like, maybe he maximized everything that he could have uh, learning from those guys. And the other alternative to leaving Kent state and not going pro is hitting the transfer portal. Who's to even to say like, that would have even been like a risk he wanted to take, you know, like maybe he could have suffered at the next program. Maybe no program would have liked him at all to even get him on scholarship after that. So uh, yeah, it's, he's kind of hard to judge uh, for those reasons. Um, and kind of a lot of the reasons where kind of like, what, like, what do you think like his best thing is as a wide receiver though, Caleb? Um, is it like his size? Is it like his physicality? Like what, like, what do you think it is about, um, about McCoy that NFL teams will like first and, you know, make those the reasons that they sign him for whatever reason. Uh, I think he creates separation pretty well. And that's not just a factor of um, not only speed. Like, you know, that he seems to know how to use his body when getting down the field. And I think mm-hmm. that type of potential is going to excite people. You know, you see a big, a guy who can get down the field relatively unimpeded, uh, unless I'm missing something where like that's been graded poorly in him. Like I think he does that better than a lot of athletic longer type receivers. So maybe that's a product of the system and where the attention had to be paid to other receivers. I don't really know. I do think that as much success as he had at Kent state, he could have maybe showed out as a better prospect pro prospect at other schools, but that doesn't mean this was the wrong place for him. He still had a ton of success. So I do think that people will see his ability to get down the field without being slowed too much as a, as a reason to maybe draft him in the seventh or uh, put him in your offense. So I think I wouldn't be completely surprised if he became a really productive pro receiver and like wide out number two, wide out number three. I don't think that's far fetched at all, but I could just as easily see him not really leaving a mark at all. So I think there's a, a wide range where Isaiah McCoy could be as a pro. Uh, who has better hands, him or Antonio Nunn? Because I say Nunn. I think Nunn does. I think Nunn's just the reliable guy who is used to more contested catches than mm-hmm. than McCoy was and was used to running a, a wider range of routes. But 
I do think that McCoy's going to have the higher upside as a guy who can get down the field and get the ball, even in contested situations. I think, I think that wraps it up for, for my list. Uh, I think I want to use the rest of this time to kind of just go over other Mac guys that are not on the, those list of 10 that I presented for, for us, well, Scott, that I wrote and Scott helped present. Um, who are some guys that are left off of here that you kind of wanted to hit on Caleb? Um, I think Daniel, I mean, I think Daniel Crawford's the type of guy who I, I wouldn't anticipate him ever being like an NFL starter, but I think he can make a roster and I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he's shown the ability after the catch to make plays and I would be interested in him and we can either talk about him or if I just want to move on to another prospect. No, I mean, you, you spent time with him as a beat reporter, so yeah, I, I, no, I mean, I, I want to hear I, more I, of your perspective on him. Yeah, I mean, he's got really good hands. He he catches the ball. He um, is good after the play. He's good after contact. Doesn't go down super easily. Um, he's got size. He really plays as a wide receiver type in a lot of ways. And uh, I don't know how good he can be as a blocker. I don't see him as a starter. I think Quentin Morris is a better, easily a better uh, prospect. But I think he's the type of guy who actually could make, you know, could be in the league for a few years as a producer. Um, mm-hmm. probably more as a backup, but there's really, again, no shame in that. Yeah. Other yeah, guys. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. If he can like definitely show that, you know, he can run block too. I think like there's packages he can find himself in. Maybe he won't be the reliable hands, uh, you know, the reliable, the reliable hands at tight end that a team needs like a Quentin Morris would, but maybe he's, you know, got the size and all that where, uh, he can be a reliable uh, run blocker for some sort of team in a certain scheme, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you spent more time with him, so you're, you're a little bit more confident on him. I, I not so much, but I did like, you know, when he was able to make plays, like he wasn't like afraid or all, he wasn't just like, like a deer in headlights, like with the ball in his hand and like, just like, Oh, I'm a big guy downfield. What do I do with it? No, he seemed pretty competent and had an idea of what to do with it. So. Um, so I'm with you on, a, on that front a little bit. Yeah, and he's he's a really likable dude. He's the type of guy who, when you talk to him um, as a as a scouter, like one of those type of guys, like you're going to come away from the conversation like, I want that guy around us. I want I want that guy to be a, in our organization. So I it wouldn't surprise me if he just endears himself in that way to some of the other people. And he, you know, he was made plays against big schools. I mean, we're like have film pulled up, and you're watching him make plays against Utah and make other gets other power five schools too and has no no issue being in the middle of the field taking a hit and he can be physical enough he's got a big enough body that he's not going to wear and tear like other guys will necessarily and you know he's a threat around the end zone so i i what actually what uh, the strongest feeling i have about him is that he should try his hand at the nfl and then he should just go to the cfl Mm -hmm. like i i really think he actually could be a serviceable um, productive CFL tight end type dude. I really would like to see that probably more, more so than him even riding out time in the NFL for any significant time period. Right on. Uh, another guy that you talked to, uh, Coyote Awosika, um, had a really good bench press. I had, he put 28 of them up. Uh, I think that's more than like, is that more than Penny Sewell? I don't know, pretty close, but. <laughs> He's not he's not in my top ten. He's definitely a guy that definitely could be a six, maybe seventh round pick. 
Um, probably a priority undrafted free agent, though. Mm-hmm. Um, really smart guy. Like, I like the conversation Super. you had with him because he's yeah. just, I mean, he's sounds intelligent. Uh, I know his dad is a big deal down in Congo. Um, what, what's your feeling with, uh, with Awasika? He, so for one, like his intelligence is going to be his best factor. He's going to go into a, you know, a film room or a meeting room and be able to pick up on stuff and, and, you know, communicate things effectively to other guys. I think he actually, even like he, he's like a business marketing type guy and maybe his future long-term isn't even like in football, but he's the type of guy I'd love to see as a coach and being surrounded in the program for years to come. So, you know, he's got decent size. He's actually not too big as a, you know, you look at a guy at 307. It's weird to think of a guy that's 300 pounds and say, well, they're not really all that big. Well, he kind of is one of those guys, but you know, he's been in a system where they, they run blocks super heavily. He has played on the outside more, but is going to move inside for sure. It's just there's really no scenario where they're going to ask him to significantly play tackle spots, and some of his like measurable stuff, like hurdle, like cut or shuttle type stuff, um, not super impressive. But his strength isn't really in his in those types of intangibles anyway. It's more in like what he's got between his head and uh, the type of, the the run blocking he's exhibited over the years. So uh, I don't really know if he. I think he's been projected for a while as a as an actual drafted pick, but it still wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if people looked at his numbers and said, eh, like we'll pass. We'll, 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 go, yeah. to undraft, we'll go the undrafted route if we really want to. But like he's, he is again, like, like Crawford, the type of guy, like I want him in my organization. If there's a spot for him, I want it. I want him there. Uh, I think last guy that, that wasn't on our list that I kind of want to brush on lately, uh, late here, uh, this Antoine Davis receiver from ball state. Um, I've seen some conversations like I remember like a like I remember an offhand like a a Philadelphia Eagles blog was hoping for Davis in the fifth round. This was months ago. Wow. But, you know, this is a guy that even they were talking about because you know he can make some plays, he can fly out there. Doesn't have the best measurables, doesn't have the best speed out there. Um, but he was productive. He was looked upon in this ball state offense a lot. Um and he was the recipient of a lot of really good and necessary intermediate throws from uh, um, from Drew Plitt. You know, wh- where do you see Antoine Davis landing in all of this? Because he's someone where he's got the dec- he's got decent enough film to to say like you know maybe early day three, mid day three, somewhere in that range or priority uh undrafted free agent somewhere in between there but where, where do you davis, see davis he's to me he's just been a weird prospect like for this entire time his body type screams running back yes like, he doesn't even look like an nfl wide receiver that doesn't mean he's not gonna find a spot to you know play in the middle of the field or be a, a tool around the end zone which i think is actually where he could be successful he you know, looking at his intangibles aren't great, except you look at his vertical and he's got a 38 inch vertical. vertical. And that's kind of ridiculous. But I also think it fi- kind of falls in line with like, he's just like a stacked, like little muscle dude. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like he gets, he's got powerful legs. He can, mm-hmm. he's, he doesn't have like, he doesn't have the bench numbers, but like his lower body strength is good. 
that's going to work out for him, hopefully in terms of like health and longevity and the ability to get up and make plays in situations like hopefully could make a difference for him. But I don't know, like he, he, nothing he does wows me, but he is a playmaker. So somebody's going to see him and say, okay, let's get him on the roster and see what he can do or get him into camp and see what he's capable of. Maybe he's one of those guys that once he's actually in a pro offense and like the options are more, specifically tailored to what his skill set are maybe he's going to be really productive i really don't know um i don't have like some project projection of him in my head uh, as like some really high succeeding nfl player but i also think that because of what he brings to the table in terms of vert and pass catching ability in the middle of the field around the end zone that you know he might find he might find a spot and really excel there maybe he should find an offense that uh demands him to use that 38 inch vertical all the time, like jump over that safety and then catch it. That's where we're going to throw it. It's, it's like, but he doesn't, cause he doesn't have the, like the speed to like, no, yeah, that's the weird move. part. He like, he doesn't have the speed, but he has the hops. He has <laughs> powerful legs, but he has, he does not, even with short arms, doesn't have powerful uh, shoulder and chest. He's such a, like an enigma. He's so weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like that's almost like the, the sparkle in his like draft profile is you're like, this guy's a weird prospect. I like that. Let's, let's give him a shot. I feel like that's actually his strength. Yeah. We don't know what we're getting, but neither do the defenses we're facing. Let's take them. <laughs> I feel like that's the most exciting part about him entirely. So sure. Like somebody go get him. Uh, another guy, best of the rest. I kind of want to bring up quickly Uh former Mac player, Tony Poljan. Uh, <laughs> went from Central's quarterback yeah. to Central's all-Mac tight end to uh, a tight end in UVA during a pandemic season. I've done mock drafts with my Lions where I, you, where like I would trade back and pick up picks at like the end in like the 200 to 230 range, and that's where I would waste them on Tony Poljan. That's kind of where I, what I'm hoping for him. I mean. Uh, I have that's Tony Poljan is honestly the type of guy I haven't really thought of in like a year and a half or two. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been and, out of sight, out of mind. I get it. Yeah. So, eh, I, I don't know that I have much to say other than he's just a big dude. Maybe they'll see like, oh, this is the type of growth he's made in two years. We can work with that. And maybe that's his upside. But I don't know. Did you know his dad is like, like apparently like important to CMU football history, like is in the record books for being like a all badass offensive lineman. No, I had no idea. I just, I just found that out like a couple days ago, honestly. Look at you blowing air up above the right. central guy. Uh, before we close this up, Caleb, is there anything else that, uh, that was on your mind that you kind of wanted to get off your chest or have any thoughts about, this draft class shit. Maybe if it's about your own bangles, I don't care. I mean, looking at anybody else, I think Brett Cottrell is the type of guy from Ohio. Ohio has actually had some guys make camps and he's, he's another guy that is probably going to make somebody like at least get into a training camp or something. So I'd be interested to see uh, where he lands. And then otherwise, I mean, there's still even other guys I feel like I'm going to look at and be like, Oh, but he could make something or he could something could happen there but nobody that really sticks out immediately so 
Any, anybody else you feel like we're forgetting like that needs to be <laughs> included uh, here? That needs to be okay because I don't want to piss anybody off. Uh, let's say Shakif <laughs> Seymour, just so I, we I hit thought, on the Toledo guy. But I, I don't, thought about that. I and just don't see it. Like he doesn't have the high. Like he's a bigger dude. He doesn't have the. Um, well, his measurables really aren't. There's nothing like super impressive. About he's he's like he's like. Terry Swanson 2.0, and Terry Swanson didn't even make it. And he's bigger, and he's thicker than Terry Swanson was too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just no. I mean, maybe he's a third on the depth chart type running back or something. He's mm-hmm. another guy that, you know, he's just he's he's not going to have any type of significant time there. So, um, I swear, I feel like we're forgetting someone. This it, it's always happens. David. More the only quarterback. That's who we're forgetting. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're really actually forgetting. I mean, him, but um, but like he only played like the one year at Central. I still the four games at Central really. I still don't know what the heck his skill set is. Like I don't know what he's good at because we didn't see him. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know like, what, even do you know what David Moore's good at? Uh, I don't think he fumbled a snap, so I think he's. You know, he's reliable wow. at that. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's not like he was the most efficient when we saw him either. It was like 57% passer. Ah, I don't know. The ball looks nice when it comes out of his hands, though. That's about it. <laughs> There's like 400 guys in America that I can say is that about. Is that, is that lefty bias? Is that what it is? Uh, David Moore's lefty, right? Yeah. No, I don't think it's bias. Yeah, it's lefty bias. One guy that I <laughs> thought that that um, he was faster than what he actually recorded in his forty time was Bryson Denley. Like I thought he was, was a guy he? that like Bryson Denley. He was the running back receiver out of Bowling Green. You never heard oh. his name because the, never, the ball never got into his hands. But when it did, he was able to make yeah. big plays. But he, yeah, special teams too. Yeah, but he didn't run better than a four-five. So, I, I thought I thought he was faster than that. Apparently not. You can, I think you can still, as a special teams guy, like he could still make a roster or something. But I don't know that there's anything else that screams like, oh yeah, pro player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I think we've hit all our bases. Now I think we've covered pretty much yeah, everybody. So. We're leaving <laughs> off like actually three names, but I'm not going to read them off because I think I think we've covered pretty much everybody. Um. Sure. But Caleb, thank you for, for joining me today. Um, I'll have you plugged into the episode descriptions, but uh, if you want to plug yourself again, you know, go for it. What are your, what else are you working on? How's uh, Illinois basketball coming along? Uh, yeah. If anybody wants to hear about random other sports that aren't football, um, right for Illinois basketball.com covering high school basketball in the state of Illinois. So there's enough guys that there's crossover between football and basketball, that if there's, if there's any interest there, maybe you'll see it or you'll be interested. Um, I have been writing for some freelance in the suburbs as well. So there's enough prospects out of the suburban Chicago area that end up going to Mac schools. And really a lot of schools do a really good job of recruiting that area. Like I think Western and Ball State and Toledo do enough of it too. So they're not the only ones. So if you're interested in like prospects from that area, you might see me tweeting about them uh, at Caleb underscore M underscore Carter. So that's, that's that's pretty much all I got to plug today. All right. Well, thank you all for for joining us today. 
Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you're not. We're available Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, wherever you get podcasts. I don't know. Go to go to the podcast store. You'll figure it out. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Recommend the show to someone directly. Throw a five star review of the show on the internet if you really liked it. Uh, throw me a few bucks on Patreon. Three bucks a month, you can get episode notes. Uh, just like this, really, really extensive stuff. Like the stuff that Scott and Caleb, I sent them notes, what they're reading off of, you're going to get to um, if you are a Patreon supporter. And I'm finishing up a Discord server, and it's going to have like a specific channel for Patreon supporters only to be in. So that's something to look forward to, too. I'll have more for you on that front later. But until then, thank you for listening, and enjoy Draft Week. Bye, Scotty.